0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Radio. This is episode 44. I'm your pal, Val. And with me is special guest host, the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Logan. King NASCAR, how are you, sir?
1: I'm fine. How's everybody out there tonight, I wonder? Hope everybody's doing good.
0: Yes, definitely hope everybody's doing good. And for everybody who's new, this is NASCAR Radio. This is where NASCAR and NASCAR trading cards meet. We're going to recap the Camping World Truck Series race, Xfinity race, and the Cup race. They were racing in Darlington last week. The Lady in Black. So let's jump into it. Like I said, the Camping World Truck Series, that was race number eight. They don't run every week like some like the Cup Series pretty much and, and stuff. But that was the second annual Lift Kits for Less.com. And that was Friday, May 7th. And our winner was Sheldon Creed, and the highest finishing rookie was Carlson Hockford. I think that's how I, that's how you pronounce it. And going over their cards, neither one of them has any trading cards. Sheldon Creed was the 2020 Camping World Truck Series champ last year, so I was surprised not that he didn't get a Dunrosa card this year, but. We will see if that changes. I guess maybe they're holding them out for Chronicles this year. We'll see. But, yeah, so in the Truck Series, uh, neither one of our our winner or highest finishing rookie has any trading cards. The Truck Series is off this week. They will return next week, Saturday, May 22nd. And that's going to be at the Circuit of Americas, the Toyota Tundra 225. So I'm looking forward to the Circuit of Americas, but that's still,
1: like I said, two weeks off. Yeah, that's going to be in Austin, Texas. And that's also going to be the same weekend of the Dallas Card Show. Yes. I was thinking about
0: trying to uh, go over to that Austin uh, track, but I think it's going to be too much to do, I think, during that time. So,
1: Yeah, I uh, I looked at it, and it's I think Austin is about, Three hours away from Dallas, you know Texas is a mighty big state. Oh, yeah. Uh, moving over to the
0: Xfinity Series. That was race number nine, and that was the second annual Steakhouse Elite 200. And that was Saturday, May 8th, also at Darlington. Justin Algar was our winner at the number one spot, and Josh Berry was our highest finishing rookie in the second spot. Uh, One other note was that Noah Graskin was disqualified. He failed post-race inspection, but I believe that was appealed and won by Junior Motorsports. And we've talked about Justin Allgaier before on the show. His rookies are actually in 2009. He was coming up, and then I believe he went to the cup level for a few years, and then moved back down to the Xfinity level where he's seen a lot more success than he saw in the Cup Series. But he's in a few different flavors in 2009. He's in the Base Press Pass. He's in Press Pass Stealth, Wheels Element, Wheels Main Event. And then in the for the Press Pass, he's card number 156. There are a few parallels to that version is a blue and a gold as well as a red and gold. holofoil is the only one that is serial numbered out of 100. And there's prospect pieces and then the prospect pieces autograph. There's also uh, a did signing. So there's a few different parallels for the signings with blue, gold, orange, serial number to 65, purple to 45, green to 15. And then there's the signings Printing plates. And then in stealth, you had uh, card number 39, but they also did a chrome version. And then it's chrome gold numbered to 99 and a chrome brush metal to 25. Uh, in Wheels Elements, he only has autographs. That's numbered to 130 and then the red ink numbered to 25. And then in 2009, Wheels Main Event. And that's interesting one. Cause I like the inserts for playing cards and there's a, a red version and a blue version where the ink on the outside of the deck. So back in the late two thousands, there was a big push for poker and Texas style was Texas Hold'em. Was it Logan?
1: Yeah, I, I believe it was. Um, and, and what they did with those cards is I think the, the, I may be getting this wrong. I think the blue was came out of the hobby hobby box and the red came out of the retail boxes. So that's where you get the two different backs on those cards. Yeah, they make that's one
0: of those insert sets that you can make and and use as a you know playing card deck. Also, you know, they're good to get signed as well. So I know I I started working on a set of signed playing cards.
1: Those yeah, those were they were actual playing cards. If you when you got them, I mean, they they had the look, the feel, uh, you know, that glossy feel uh, of of a, just like you'd buy a regular deck of playing cards. So you yeah, could, that, you could literally play cards with them.
0: Yeah, they had that texture feel to them, like you said, you know, glossy with that texture, like a you know, like real playing card. And then what another insert was poker chips. So that whole uh, main event. Was geared to that, and I think they did that for a few years, not many, but and there's marks, clubs, marks, diamonds, hearts, spades. I wasn't, I saw this on the list, but it does not ring a bell of what those are. There's the playing card, blue and red, and he's the four of diamonds on the deck, but I wasn't sure about that. The marks, I don't know if you mm. remembered those, or they must have been something. You special because they're serial number to like 5010.
1: Yeah, the marks. Yeah, I, I don't really remember, but that may refer to uh, the autographs, you know, calling them marks. that are on Oh, the OK. Autographs. Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of off the top of my head.
0: I tried to look through eBay and look through completed stuff. I couldn't find any information about those and there were no pictures on the trading card database. So and his prices aren't very expensive.
1: Yeah, I mean his cars are very affordable and he's a good driver. He you know, he drives for Junior Motorsports and uh you know they they started out the season pretty slow but they've really gained a lot of momentum here lately. And he's actually got two wins this
0: year. He won at Atlanta and Darlington, so he's right up there with Austin Cedric with with two wins. But to, to your point, you know, you can pick up the 2009 press pass base for. I'm looking on check my cards uh, an order a signings autograph for 4.74 or the base for 75 cents, the gold version for dollar 25 and red for 78. He, and I think, you know, to your point, he he's definitely found his element in the Xfinity series. He's he's done very well. He won multiple races, I believe, last year as well.
1: Yeah, he's, he's doing very well. I mean, he's with a good team. I mean, Junior Motorsports is is no slouch team, you know, because they're affiliated with Hendrick. So, I mean, that, that tells you pretty much everything you need to know. Definitely. And then for the
0: highest finishing rookie, Josh Berry.
1: Yeah, he doesn't have a whole lot of cards right now.
0: No, his cards are actually in 2013 Press Pass Total Memorabilia. Those are his only base cards and autographs. And if you remember that 2013 Total Memorabilia, there you had the base, you had a red version that came out of retail, the gold, which was numbered to 275, and the black and white numbered to 99. And then you had the Rising Stars autograph. That was a pretty thick card where it was like two cards on top of each other. And there was a window where that autograph was. And there's a silver version to 125, gold to 99. Blue hollow to 25, and the Melding to 5. So that's also the year of Kyle Larson's rookie, mm-hmm. I think. So, yeah, that's, that's all he's got. So, you know, he's kind of come on this year in Xfinity Series, and he's done very well. We've talked about him a few times. So he uh, is right up there for Rookie of the Year. With, of course, he's going against Ty Gibbs, but I think Josh Berry is is going to run the whole season as opposed to Ty, where he's not running the full schedule.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, and he's Josh Berry. I think he ran. He did some I racing. I think that's where where they found him. Um, And he's like a protege of of Dale Earnhardt Jr. So Dale Earnhardt Jr. is pretty high on him. Well,
0: he's doing real well, so you know you know, he's the highest finished rookie, but he did come in second. So um, yeah,
1: Darl. Yeah, at Darlington of all places. <laughs> yeah.
0: So the next race, Xfinity race, is this Saturday, May fifteenth, and that's going to be at Dover International Speedway. That's the Dry Dryden two hundred, and the stages are forty five, forty five, and one hundred and ten for two hundred laps. And so far, uh, we're nine races in. We, the season Xfinity is 33 races. Like I was saying, also, Cedric has won two. Justin Allgaier has won two. And, and Josh Berry's also won at Martinsville. Of so, course, we have Ty Gibbs winning the Daytona Road Course. So, I know it's going to be interesting to see who's going to get that Rookie of the Year. So, But we still have a lot of races left in the Xfinity Series.
1: Oh, yeah. We've got a bunch. Yeah, it's still it's still early in the season, but I mean anything can happen. I don't, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of high on Ty Gibbs right now. He seems to, you know, he's he has no fear, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> but he no, gets out there and he he gets it done, and he puts that car places where a lot of those guys wouldn't put them.
0: Yeah, I definitely noticed that too. So, Xfinity Series is exciting, which is you know awesome.
1: Yeah, I, I love that series. I, I always have. Yeah, me too. And then moving over to the
0: Cup series that was race number 12, that was the second annual Goodyear 400, and that was Sunday, May 9th at Darlington Raceway just down the road for me. Our winner was Martin Truex Jr. and our highest finishing rookie was Chase Briscoe at position 11.
1: Yeah, Truex is the only multiple winner this year out of so he's he's won 3 races <laughs> And so we've got 10 winners, I think, so far. And that's amazing in the first 12 races. You know, I would have thought I would have thought we definitely had more multiple winners right now. And I would have also thought that we would have had more of the guys that we're familiar with winning, like Harvick and, you know, guys like that. But, you know, a lot of these guys have not won yet. Yeah. So Chase weird. Elliott in there. Yes. Yeah, Chase Elliott. He's, he's the only Henry driver that hasn't won this year. <laughs> that's, that's freaking amazing, you know?
0: Yeah, uh, Hamlin's the only one for Joe Gibbs racing.
1: Yeah, I mean, and look look what him and Harvick did last year. Oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah, I know. It, we're still early in the re- season, but yeah, it, this I'm, this is season turning out to be uh one for the record books there and with Martin Truex with the three wins you know the next person everybody else has got one so he is definitely putting on a good season here so he's got to be maybe the front runner for the championship so we'll see if he can keep this up and it's kind of interesting with him you know his rookie's back in 2004
1: yeah but- i mean it's hard to believe that it's been he's been in the series well, he had been in the Cup Series for 17 years, but he's been he's been driving in NASCAR for, you know, 17 years now.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was in the series since you know 2004, but to your point, it wasn't until 2016 that you know he only had one, two, three wins up until 2015. But then all of a sudden in 2016, four wins, eight wins, four wins, seven wins. Mm-hmm. one one win last year and then but he's got three this year so you know when you look at the points he won the championship in 2017 came in second in 18 second in 19 uh, seventh last year so you know all of a sudden basically from 2015 he finished fourth that year uh, you know something's clicked or he, he definitely figured it out but I don't know of anybody who's done better in that span he's got 30 wins 30 cup wins already and that's not mentioning that he won two xfinity championships in 2004 and 2005 Mm -hmm. so so he's a a a, like a first ballot hall of famer
1: yeah in my mind right
0: now
1: (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say that he's he's definitely hall of famer
0: so, you know, he started in 2004, but since 2015, 16, um, he's been like lights out. I don't like I said to compare him to other folks. So uh, if you're not collecting Martin Truex now, I think his prices are are really, I want to say depressed, but they're, they're very low. I don't necessarily know if he has all the charisma as maybe some of the other guys, right or wrong, you know, Denny Hamlin or... Um, Kyle Bush come to mind, where you know you love them or hate them, but Martin Truex is one of those guys where you know he just gets it done without all the extra baggage, I guess, right?
1: Yeah, I mean he's in, in a way, you know, he's you'd have to almost say he's kind of like Jimmy Johnson as far as being vanilla, because you know, everybody you know complained about Jimmy Johnson really not you know being outspoken or you know having much of a personality. You know, he just got out there and, and won races, and, and that's what Truex is doing. You know. So, I and I really like Truex. I think he's he's a great guy. Uh, he has some great charities, and like you said, his rookie cards are very very affordable. I mean, they're probably four or five dollars, six dollars, you know, right now. They're not they're not exorbitant, and some of them are really nice. There's one of them. I think it's his maybe his Optima card. I think it's, he's in his Oreo uniform, and it's a that's a really cool card.
0: Yeah, that's the golden Oreo. Uh, yeah, that's one of my favorites as well. I've gotten his autograph on those. It it really pops with that black Sharpie on it. And then he also has the, I think it's in Trackside, where there's a, a variation where the NASCAR official in the back or somebody with the white shirt, they have a credential yellow lanyard on or not. So that's kind of cool. And that 2004 is a good year because it also has... You know, Kyle Bush rookies in it as well. So if you find 2004 unopened wax, it's probably a good play for the future in my mind yeah. anyway.
1: Yeah. And you've also got Clint Boyer too.
0: Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I'm not sure if Clint's a hall of famer. But,
1: no, he's not.
0: But, you know, definitely with Kyle Busch, um as well. But uh, so, the, you know, the two Martin Truex is in the 2004 press pass. He's an Optima in the Stealth Track side that we talked about, and in high gear, he has autographs. I couldn't remember about this one, Logan. You might, but 2004 Press Pass Dale Earnhardt. I don't know if there was a Dale Earnhardt set or was it a. But he has multiple cards with, uh, like the card number 44 Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Martin Truex, and uh, the same thing with number 45, card 59, 60, and 61, where. Uh, it's Truex's car. So I know I believe Martin Truex used to drive for Dale Earnhardt or Dale Earnhardt kind of I'll say discovered him, but
1: yeah, he was another one of Junior's proteges back in the day and and I remember when he first started in cup uh during the All-Star race, you know Junior was already voted into the All-Star race and uh you know, there was a fan vote and Truex got in because At the time, he was, you know, Junior's boy, so to speak. So all the fans who loved Junior voted for Truex, and he got in the All Star race. You know, which was which was kind of neat how all that worked out. But those cards you're talking about, if I remember correctly, those are cards with Truex and Junior standing standing by the car together.
0: Okay, so maybe it's in that same set. So it looks like it is in the. Oh no! It's a so it looks like it's the 2004 press pass Dale Earnhardt Jr. set. It's its own set. It's 72 cards, and it's basically it looks like a recapping of Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s life. The card number one shows him him being Dale Earnhardt Jr. with a basketball, it looks like as a kid. Uh, the second one is him with his dad, but he's little, holding one of the trophies. And then card number three has got him in the good wrench like pit crew uniform as a kid. So that's actually pretty cool. That'd be a good one to get him to sign. So yeah, it looks I, like-
1: re- I remember him uh wearing that in Victory Lane when he was with his dad, you know, when he wasn't in military school, because his dad sent him off to <laughs> military school at one point.
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember him um at the NASCAR Hall Fame and stuff. That, you know, they have him uh he comes and talks or there maybe it was from his um his podcast as well where he talks about some of that stuff so it's really interesting to hear you know you have some kind of preconceived notion you know what it would be like to grow up as dalen hart jr but uh in lo- real life it was totally different you know
1: oh yeah <laughs> he must have uh, must have caused a commotion for his dad to ship him off to military school
0: but yeah so that <laughs> There's that 2004, so it's its own press pass Dale her Jr. set. So he is in that set as well, uh, as well as the Optimus Stealth and Trackside High Gear. So, And then our highest finishing rookie was Chase Briscoe, who we've talked about quite a bit because there's only two drivers running for a Rookie of the Year candidates, Anthony Alfredo and Chase Briscoe. So I won't bore everybody. With the Chase Briscoe. But the key points are that he has base cards and parallels in the 2018 Panini Certified with all the different parallels with your normal parallels and then your mirrored parallels, fresh faces, signatures, and the different parallels for it. He's in the Panini Prime, 2018 Panini Prime with the sponsor patches, a lot of memorabilia in that. Panini Prism 2018, so when you're looking for those Haley DeGans, he only has scripted signatures and the different parallels of the scripted signatures. And then in 2018 Panini Victory Lane, he has signatures in that as well. And there's only a handful of parallels, three basically, of the autographs for Chase Briscoe. The next race is this Sunday, May 16th at Dover International. That's the Dryden 400. Stages are 120, 240, and 400 for 400 miles. And we talked briefly about the playoff standings after Darlington, We have Martin Truex with three wins. Uh, everybody else has one win with William Byron, Joey Logano, Ryan Blaney, Kyle Larson, Brad Keselowski, Kyle Busch, Christopher Bell, Alex Bowman, Michael McDowell, and Denny Hamlin is the first one at position 11 with the highest points followed by Kevin Harvick, Chase Elliott, Austin Dillon, Chris Busher, Tyler Reddick, and outside the playoffs looking in, Matt Benedetto. That's awesome to see him right there at that mark.
1: Followed- yeah,
0: I've,
1: I've become a Matt Benedetto fan. <laughs> He's, uh, I really like him. I, I, I hope that they find a ride for him next year when uh, – he's having to vacate the, the Wood Brothers car.
0: Yeah, I hate that, you know, he got he kind of he kind of got another year uh following last year cuz I think he was maybe slated to you know to be out um, but must have given him another year. And then uh, Ricky Stenhouse at 18, Ryan Newman and Kurt Busch. So uh, there's a little cushion of, I guess about 19 points between Matt and Ricky Stenhouse, but uh, he's looks like he's tied with Tyler Reddick at 16 at 268 points. So uh, he must have some kind of tiebreaker on him, but that's great to see him at that, at the break point that maybe he can get, some more points and get in because Chris Bushers at 287. Uh Austin Dillon's at 316 point wise. So yeah, I'd love to see him do well, make the playoffs, and then uh, you know, try to secure a, a ride for next year. So and I think I can't remember, but Matt's probably gonna vacate that for uh one of the other Ford guys. Is that Matt maybe Austin Cedric. I
1: think it's I think it's Austin Cedric if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think he's on a contract with Penske. So, uh, And then I guess he'll get a few years there until there's a position open at Penske, unless Penske pulls him another car and goes to four. So we'll see. But that is the recap for last week's winners and highest finishing rookies. All right, what else do you want to talk about?
1: Well, I mean, the uh, the hobby in general seems to be I would say cooling down slightly as far as you know prices on cards. Uh, I think NASCAR cards are doing well right now. Um, I think we're getting it's like what you've said before a uh, high high tide or whatever right uh, raises all ships. So you know it's it's helped with the NASCAR trading cards. Uh, there's still a lot of good buys out there with NASCAR trading cards, even. Kyle Bush rookies are still very affordable. Even Jimmy Johnson, really, for the most part, you know, raw cards are still very affordable. Yeah,
0: I've been talking about that, I guess, since I started the show, even though prices have increased somewhat, but to your point, nowhere near what some of the other sports go for. Even F1, I, you know, I've kind of seen kind of what you're saying. And I don't know if it seems like some of the market, is starting to pause. I don't know if it's because the spring's coming and, and we're getting out of this COVID stuff or it's getting better uh, or they're going to other places. Maybe product is getting harder to find cards and so they're going to the NFTs or that you know eBay's changing their policies around. Uh, there's more places to sell Cause I've been looking kind of at eBay, but I have also seen wax prices dropping for some of the stuff because they have shot up, uh, some of the other sports where was it select was a wax box. A hobby box was select was like $1,200, which to me seems, you know, I, there's no way I'd, I, I could see a box of, you know, NASCAR prism going for $1,200 or whatever. So, no. So I, and, these things are selling, people are getting into breaks, but, uh, and I think not only did it was a $1,200, but I think it was like $200. And when they were doing breaks, they were doing breaks of one pack. So, you know, so in one sense the market was super red hot, but I don't know if people, like I said, are doing other stuff or people are pausing and, you know, maybe, no, say second guessing themselves, but you know, pausing and maybe because there's just so much product coming out each week. I think Score football just released, and I think for well, they three hundred dollars a box, and I think they
1: sold out on Panini's site. Yeah, and Score is you know really a lower lower end price point product too, uh, and it's still going for a lot of money. We've talking about like the F one X F one Chrome.
0: I was watching it uh when it was first released it was about six hundred and fifty a box i think it's in the five fifty range now so even that is pausing and it's just not one product because the f1 product they're releasing a few different products as well so I I know NASCAR and F1 aren't the same but I guess we could have to kind of lump them together because it's somewhat racing. It's kind of a new sport or n- not a new sport. New p- cards are now available f- that weren't before. So uh, when I'm looking at the prices here on Steel City, for example, the Formula One Chrome is five seventy-four. Like I said, that was like six hundred and thirty the other week. There's gonna be a Formula One Racing tops, and I think that's the base, and that's three fifty pre-sale. So you're talking about buying a box of like Topps flagship baseball, you know this this F1 is going to be three fifty a box. The F- Topps Dynasty Formula One racing hobby that's right at one thousand two hundred dollars a box. And again, you know, going back to NASCAR though, so. The 2021 Panini Dunruss, that had gotten up to about $175 a box. It looks like it's coming down a little bit to 160 a box. So we're seeing some downward pricing, I, I think, to what you were saying, Logan.
1: Yeah, I know. But, you know, I, I know here in West Tennessee that, you know, all the Walmarts, all the targets, there's, there is nothing at any of those stores, including racing, used to be that you could go in there and you could find, um, you know, Prism or Donris or whatever, you know, whatever flavor left over. That would be the things that, you know, would be left to buy. But in these days, even those are all gone. I mean, it, it, when I go into our stores around here, there, there is nothing to buy. I mean, absolutely. It, well, I say that there is some hockey, no offense to hockey people, but Memphis and, and the Mid-South area here, Is just not a hockey area, so you can pick those up here, but that's really about it. And you know, you talk about Target. We didn't really talk about, but it
0: came over the wire today that Target is basically suspending trading card sales um, for the time being. I think there was some an incident or something, and so they are worried about customer safety. So does that also play into part of this, you know, eBay changed their categories around. So it's harder to search. I think in my, in my opinion, to search for stuff. So it just seems like death by a thousand paper cuts kind of a thing that all these things combined, you know, would slow the hobby. And I, of course the hobby, I guess, needs to slow as well. Cause my biggest fear is people get in, you know, somebody knew the hobby, they spend $1,200 or $2,000 for a box of select football. And then they think they can sell it or whatever. And then they're stuck with it. And then they're gone out of the hobby. They go to somewhere, you know, something else.
1: Yeah. You know, and you're talking about people that are new to the hobby. And I think i told you this already. It was funny the other day. I was at our, one of our local, local card shops. And, uh, I ran into these guys and, uh, They asked me what I collected. I said, NASCAR. And one of them goes, Hey, I got Formula One. So, first of all, he couldn't, he didn't know the difference between NASCAR and Formula One. But then he goes, Yeah, I I bought this box for $600, this, this Topps Formula One box, and I'm hoping I get that Lewis guy out of it. (laughs) I said, Oh, okay. You talk about Lewis Hamilton. He said, Yeah. So, you know, there are a lot of people I think that speculate on, you're just trying to pull high-end cards, and then you got the real collectors. It's it's a it's a mix of people right now. Uh, you know, no, you know, nothing against that guy. You know, if he wants to spend his money on that, and and you know, hopes that he pulls a Lewis Hamilton card, that's great. If he does, that's even better for him. I just I just can't. I just for me being a NASCAR collector, you know, spending six hundred dollars on a box is tough. And I don't know about you, Val, but I think you feel kind of the same.
0: Yeah you know, I, I left some of the other sports collecting, you know, tops and some of the other stuff, because, you know, you could spend a lot of money collecting some of those other sports and, you know, having, you know, being uh, married and and having a kid and, you know, other things, uh, other responsibilities, I guess you could say, but so, yeah, you know, I don't have the income to, to, you know, spend on some of these high dollar boxes. But, you know, a NASCAR, NASCAR lends itself to, you know, all the collecting fun at lower prices. So, yeah.
1: And, and you know, the, you know I started collecting NASCAR back in 86, uh, you know, right before Max came out in 88. And, you know, of course I collected it because I love it. And I still collect it because I love it. And, you know, we've been fortunate that the price points on, on all this newer stuff has still remain, remained affordable. And, and I'm really glad for that. But it makes me wonder how long that's going to last. You know, are people going to start, you know, speculating more on NASCAR and hoping they hoping they pull a, a Kyle Busch or they ho- hope they pull uh, Kevin Harvick or Denny Hamlin or whatever, you know, or whatever the hot rookie is, you know, like Haley Deegan. And, you know, then the prices start going crazy, you know, you know, in a way, in a way, I kind of hope they don't. But in another way, I kind of almost hope they do (laughs) just just to help out NASCAR collecting, you know, just to make it more mainstream. And maybe that's part of it for NASCAR. It's just not seen as as mainstream as basketball or football or, you know, any of the stick and ball sports. You know, because basketball, football right now are just absolutely insane as far as collecting cards. Yeah, I think,
0: you know, some of that is, I want to say the gambling aspect of it, because you're spending big money on a box or a pack. And so the re- the reward, bigger risk and higher reward that, you know, and we've had great rookie classes for the last so many years in these other sports, right? Because people are going after the Lucas and they are going after the Zions, and this year they're going after Lamelo in basketball, and then in football, you know, you, you have the same thing. So so I guess you need the high card prices and the high wax boxes to bring some of this. Um, like your gentleman that you saw at the card shop, where he knew that okay, spending six hundred dollars for a box, but then there's a possibility of, of getting some cars that may be worth a few thousand where mm-hmm. in NASCAR, you know, I don't know if you could pull anything out of a box that would, you know, net you 500 or, or more, maybe Haley Deegan one one or something, but I would, you know, nothing pops out of me, but if you looked at like the closed auctions on the F1 and stuff, some of those prices are crazy. And, And I don't know how long that'll keep up for F1 because, you know, if you I've been out looking at some of the other selling sites. Well, Wax sites like the Big Three, Steel City, David Adams, and Blowout. And I can't remember which one of them had some F1 cards, but, you know, they're still up there and they're not moving. So, you know, you get to a point where those cards come down because you need you need both, right? You need buyers and sellers. And if everybody's opening wax, it's high wax, and then they try to flip or sell some of their big hits and they don't sell, well, then it comes, I think it comes down, you know, that product. So, but to your point, so we don't have those high box prices. Maybe, well, it used to be before all this happened a few months ago that the majority of the wax would come out and then. Would fall in price from the suggested retail price, and then only I guess in the last year has some of the older stuff started to go up. So the big I think canary in the coal mine that I see for NASCAR is going to be when Chrono when Chronicles releases in the summer, what it comes out at, what it goes for in the next few weeks after that. And yeah. you know, will it sustain that whatever price it is, right? Does it come out at one twenty-five? Which I think, if I remember right, pretty much everything comes out at about one twenty-five. And I say, like Chronicles and Prism, they should come out at about that price.
1: Well, you know, and, and as you know, a friend of the show, Tracy Hackler, uh, told us that look for look for uh, something very special to happen with Chronicles. So we're we're and so you and I have are both speculating that we're hoping that means that maybe Jeff Gordon is going to be in Chronicles and if he is that's going to really help and that's really going to be awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I but I think you know getting back to your point is it'd be great for you know the racing to see some of that I guess hobby low, but then on the other side of it though that would you know drive up the prices unless there's plenty of supply but Nashcar's always been i think a short printed sport i don't really think panini is and i press past before him i don't think they were really you know printing 24 7 you know kinda, yeah, they yeah so I, I think the print runs for some of this older stuff that's why I like the martin truex and the kyle bushes and the unopened wax i mean i was thinking about this the other day even Panini wax is drying up. You cannot find a box. We've talked about it before. A box of 2016 Panini Prism. You know, they're trying to get 700 800 a box for a hobby box or Prism. But you don't see any more 2017 Absolute. Uh, you don't really see any more 2017 Select. You do see the 2018 mm-hmm. Prism it's because of the, the price point. But if you look at the some of that 2016, 2017, that stuff's really drying up. and then if you try to find older stuff 2015 press pass that last year, uh, once they announced they were going out of business that those wax boxes were were gone uh, and prisms blasters have been drying up for total memorabilia because, I picked up some of those, you know, 2014, 2013 total memorabilia, you know, blasters back when you get them for like 10 or less, but all that stuff's dried up. So
1: Mm -hmm. yeah, it's hard to find.
0: So I, I, and if you find it, it's really not even expensive compared to what stuff's going for nowadays.
1: No, I mean, it's uh, again, it's for the most part it's, Fairly affordable, some of this older stuff, and like you said, you know, like the two thousand, you know, anything from two thousand four right now. If if I could find it, I would, and it was reasonable, I would buy it and, and hold on to it and just not even open it up.
0: Yeah, I usually search for uh, two thousand SP. That's one of my favorites because of the Jimmy Johnson and Kurt Busch. Uh, the the nineteen ninety four Wheels High Gear Series Two. That's the Dale Earnhardt. Damn junior yep yeah. that's another good one like so the 2004 there's the wheels the Optima those are good
1: and of course you can't you can never go wrong with you know I'll, I'll put it in air quotes vintage NASCAR which would be your early max racing cards you can't I don't think you can ever go wrong with those yeah 1988 Max. 1989. 1989
0: wax. Actually, Logan, and I was looking at one of. I think it was a Max Fax, or was it something else? But uh, kind of spoil it a little bit for a future episode. But uh, they were talking about the cover cards of 1989, the combo packs, and that. Mm-hmm. Long story short, that they changed the cover card on the combo. They went from that like explosion, whatever, to the Sam Bass image, and they used that same image for the wax packs, uh, except the only difference was there was the checklist for the uh, preview set on the back of it and how it's supposed to be very rare um, for that. But where I was getting to is they mentioned that how the 89 wax packs were so scarce and rare that they were going for $30 a pack Back then, and that was um, early '90s. I think it was.
1: Well, I know for a fact that they were rare because I never saw them here in you know my my part of the country. And you know, anytime I would go out of town, you know, whether I went down south or went uh, you know east or wherever, you know, I would always stop at every hobby store, every Toys R Us, every you know, every kind of store, and I never ever saw wax packs or cello packs of 89 max. They just weren't available. You just couldn't find them. Yeah, that's that's what I've heard. So they pop
0: up rarely on eBay, the 89 wax boxes. Uh, then also I think one of the things that's actually like a fine wine. Aged very well or is aging well is the 91 tracks. That is the Jeff Gordon rookie year. Uh, and I don't remember why, but he was not in 91 max and not in the 91 max update set either. So his only card is in that tracks. And I, I consider that like was junk wax for a while, but I think it's starting to dry up.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've got a few boxes of that here. But, um, yeah, but the, you know, the bad thing about those cards is you know, that Jeff Gordon, first of all, is a black border card. And then secondly, uh, it seems like in those packs, and I don't know why, it seems like the sides of the corners would kind of be pushed down just a little bit. On, and it was like on all cards. So trying to get a Jeff Gordon, if you get cards graded, trying to get a Jeff Gordon PSA 10 is tough. I've got, I've sent so many in and me personally, I've never got a 10. I got a ton of nines, but the 10 that I have, I had to buy because I just, I could never, ever seem to get a 10. Yeah. I think I've submitted,
0: I think I opened a box or two of those and in one box. I believe I got five of those Jeff Gordon's.
1: Yeah. Uh, There's a lot in there,
0: (laughs) but, uh, but I think that's part of the allure is that black border kind of like the 71 tops baseball and the 85 uh Dunras with those black borders. Um It's a, a pretty card if you, you know, if you pull a, like a PSA 10. So, but it, it's not very expensive. I think it's in the, you know, $30, $40 range for a wax box. So, uh, something no, to kind of to sit on when you're looking at, you know, hundreds of hours for other boxes. So,
1: yeah, I remember buying those back in '91. Man, I was buying is and, and, and I could find those real easy. Our, our it seemed like all our hobby stores had them. Of course, that's when racing was really getting hot. It was back in the early '90s.
0: Yeah, from looking at some of the old price guides and magazines, that stuff was so so hot. So. You know, I kind of see that right now with F1, that, you know, it's filling that void and everybody is just was buying everything up. And, of course, Max was, uh, I not want to say embellishing, but they were doing, you know, fixing errors or making errors and then fixing errors where they had multiple printings. Because when you go into 90 and that 91, there were multiple
1: printings. Yeah, they, they did that on purpose, uh, you yeah, know, no doubt.
0: Yeah, and so, you know, people were buying sets and putting them away and and i guess that's you know part of that junk wax era where everybody was like okay i'm gonna buy some of this and i'm put away from my kids college but everybody was was doing that <laughs> yeah <it's, laughs> so that, that <laughs> philosophy didn't work out because everybody was doing it so it's kind of scaring me somewhat with when i see these pictures of all these guys that have all these stockpiles of wax because you know it's great when everybody's buying but then when people try to sell you need buyers and sellers at the same time but if everybody tries to sell at the same time then uh, you have issues so and that that's what I'm afraid of with with the f1 but and I don't know if NASCAR is the people are still in it from the junk wax era, or it's just it's a smaller group there's smaller tight-knit group less products you know some maybe closet collectors or something and and the prices have been kept low because of that but you can have all the collecting fun for a lot less price so
1: you sure can I mean if you're if you're a real collector then, you know NASCAR is definitely the way to go it's and, and once you go to a race um, you'll be hooked
0: yeah I definitely think that is is the hook if you go to a race or if you meet some of these drivers in person pre, you know COVID, I had taken my dad to the NASCAR Hall of Fame for one of the induction ceremonies, and he got to meet Dale Hurt Jr. and Martin Truex. And so, even though he's a he's a Ryan Blaney fan, he definitely likes Martin Truex and them. So, and, and getting autographs at the track and through the mail, and I don't know. I guess hockey. A lot of people talk about how the the players are a lot like. Yeah, NASCAR treats their fans. So
1: yeah, and that's one good thing. For the most part, most of the NASCAR drivers are very accessible and you can you they're very approachable. Uh there's only a handful, and we know who those guys are <laughs> <laughs> that are not. Um, but you know, Richard Petty, no matter where you see him, and you if you walk up to him and ask him for an autograph, he will be more than happy. And he will talk to you and uh Ask how you are, and and he's just an all-around nice guy and a great ambassador for NASCAR.
0: Yeah, I don't think you can get a bigger star or a nicer star than, than him. He's always been fantastic.
1: Mm-hmm. Than the king.
0: Uh, one thing I did see on eBay was uh, a 1972 SDP alert. Uh, I saw a... Bobby Allison had sold for $675, I think it was.
1: Yeah, I, I hate that I missed that because that, that's a card I might have actually bought because I, I just need two cards for my own personal STP set, and that is one of them. The other one is, of course, the Fred Lorenzen with his car, which just hardly ever comes up. That's one thing that the, 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 these price increases have done is it's really brought a lot of the vintage stuff out of the woodwork, which I'm – in a way, I'm really glad to see, but still, it still shows you how scarce a lot of this stuff really is.
0: Yeah, the 1972 must have been really small numbers or not much had survived over time. And I've said it before, cause, you know, Dane Turner had told me the one time about, you know, stuff's not being meant as a collectible, becoming a collectible and being worth you know, a lot of money. So, uh, those 1972 STPs being very sought out of, and to your point, when those numbers kind of get out, people are like, Hey, I think I have one of those, or everybody's checking their desks and their books and whatever else to, you know, bring those to market and try to, you know, sell them as quick as they can or whatever. Cause I, and I guess they, they, people have you know, hear about the NASCAR or not NASCAR, but the cards or whatever. So like looking on marketplace or whatever, uh, there's somebody who has some NASCAR cards and they're like in Ziploc bags and they're, you know, like 1991, you know, they probably think, Oh man, great. I'm you know going to be able to make a down payment on my car or whatever, you know, get a few hundred dollars. And, you know, sadly, you know, you can probably get a factory set for 10 bucks or whatever, maybe 15 with shipping.
1: You know, um, Leighton Sheldon with uh, Vintage Brakes, they bought uh, some 1986 Fleer basketball cards that were in a Tupperware box, Tupperware container. And uh, Jordan was in there and he had it graded. I think it did come back a nine, believe it or not. So that's a that's a testament to how well Tupperware stores your cards.
0: Wow. <laughs> that, that's impressive.
1: That's amazing.
0: But, yeah, I mean, you, you know, on the other hand, um, I saw somebody had a 1983 Uno set uh, because those sets are smaller than a normal trading card. Somebody had put them in a snap tie box, which means they can rattle rattle around and they're not secured. So uh, you know they got corner dings on. Oh yeah, one of them including the Dale Earnhardt Sr. So, but yes, so there was uh, I guess it was last month uh, Richard Petty. Raw for five hundred, assigned one for a thousand. Still not. Uh, I don't think I see any Richard Petty's out there right now. None at auction or buy it now. Everything's either the Emo Langley.
1: Yeah, Emil Langley seems to be one of the more common S.T.P. cars that that's out there,
0: as well as the Buddy Baker.
1: Yeah, those those two are by far, I think, the the most common ones and, and, and i would love to know to be able to go back in time be a fly on the wall whatever and know how those things were distributed you know did they send did they take one card to a particular track like they kind of did the um the winter circle in 89 or did they give out a hand did just a couple different cards at a track and then move on to the next track and i mean i i don't know what the distribution method was i know they were a giveaway I mean, I know that for a fact, but I don't know how they were given away and what was, you know, what locations and where they were where they were given away. Because you know, Andy Granitelli, you know, Mr. STP, you know, gave those gave those cards away. I guess him and his company, STP. So I I would really love to know that. I really would would. Too bad we never did get to talk to Andy Granitelli when we went to India a few years ago.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say that I had sent him a letter asking him some of these questions, and uh, he did not remember. He had done quite a bit in his life, and the, the STP, these trading cards, were probably the least important thing that he'd done. Uh, but when you consider what he did for the NASCAR trading cards, you know it, it might be a different story, but he said he didn't remember. And yes, and when we went to... The Indy, I guess it was 2011, and you know we we saw him at the track and chose not to follow him to talk to him because I figured we'd see him at the memorabilia show, Good which all we went, went to. to. Yeah, but then that was the first year they had the memorabilia show at the track as well, and of course uh, we didn't get to see him. But uh, I was pulling out my book that I. Somewhat documented the back of every card, and then looked up on racing reference to get an idea of their last mention on the back and what the earliest that it could possibly be. So if you you know mentioned something on the back of say Fred Lorenzen's car, where let's see, uh, 1970 World 600 Charlotte participated in six more races last year uh this season number 99 raced in 11 events and finished in the top 5 in six races so uh in the margin here I have June 13th 1971 you know the earliest he would be able to do it would be the fall of 71 so I think uh and then also Benny Parsons is is also 613 of 71 um Buddy Baker is referencing July 18th of 71, Bobby Allison 623 of 71, that these were probably done in the fall of 71. Some of the people that I've talked to over the years, I've asked them about it, and the majority of them say Daytona of 72, but I think there was some other tracks that they had mentioned, maybe California track. Because I think he lived out in California. Andy Granatelli did.
1: Yeah, you had um, that Ontario track out there, and then you had Riverside as well.
0: Yeah, so I think they. It was the Ontario track, and then some of the other ones. Charlie Glowsbach, I have seven, eleven of seventy-one. Dave Marcus, seven thirteen of seventy-one, and then Ema Langley, seven fifteen of seventy-one. So the, to your point, I don't. I'm not. You know, I don't think it was a mass giveaway. I think it was a you know, when he was at the track. Uh some one person said that they had I think his dad was in the press and that Andy Granatelli and Fred Lorenzen were giving them away or he got them from them at the seventy two Daytona because Fred didn't actually run in seventy two. So STP ran with Fred Lorenzen in seventy one, but then famously Cause I think he only raced 11 races in 71 and then SDP went with Richard Petty in 72. Yeah. I don't, so I don't even think uh, Fred was entered into the Daytona 500 in 72. So that would have left him, you know, with uh, cause Andy Granatelli and Fred Lorenzen were somewhat friends because back to their Chicago days, Andy Granatelli was a promoter of races up there. So and that's where Fred got his start. So they went back quite a bit away. So uh, I always envisioned them. And because of that one person that I had talked to about that, that, you know, Fred was there and, and they were giving these away to promote STP and, pro- and probably had them sitting around. So,
1: yeah, uh, the people just didn't, you know, didn't didn't care about them. And the people that did get them, you know, a lot of them probably just threw them out. You know, they weren't worried about them.
0: Yeah, they had nothing really invested in them. They didn't have to pay for them. So, um, And it said, you know, compliments of STP and Racing Pictorial. So it also, you know, was publicity for them as well. So I think, you know, the reason we see the Emil Langley and the Buddy Bakers is, I believe, when Dane Turner acquired Ray Mann's collection, from the pictorial and everything else is that there were cards still in that items and stuff that, that Dane had gotten. The reason I said that is I think when he was doing the price guide that he offered that his advisory board uh, where he was getting his prices from current prices so that he could put in the price guide, you know, opportunity to purchase STPs and the photographics cards and stuff like that. Yeah. And one of the things, I don't even know if we've talked about this or not, but the racing price guide that he made, he never had the 72 STP cards in there listed as a price. It was only in Collector's World.
1: Yeah, you know what? You're right. I, I had for, forgot about that.
0: Yeah, when I was looking through some of the old price guides, I noticed that, which I thought was really strange that he wouldn't have that.
1: Yeah, I just, you, you, you're talking about Lorenzen being in the 72. Daytona 500 he was not so right. you, you are correct
0: yeah because I saw that and I was like that's you know it's kind of putting the pieces together and I really you know coming at it from my background not really being into racing and then getting into it it really wasn't until I was watching Petty blue that is um a film about you know Richard Petty and the and the petties and um Kyle and Adam, but there was a piece in there about Annie Granatelli wanting Richard Petty to paint his car red, <laughs> and he wouldn't do it. he was getting ready I think it was two hundred thousand dollars or whatever it was you know, and I think either Annie Granitelli raised the price and Richard was was like would was gonna- walk out on the deal, and that they came. To agreement that'd be you know red and blue or there'd be you know pieces of it red but that's yeah. what got me thinking that okay you know stp petty the 72 stps and that you know compliments of STP is like All right, i need to go to Andy granitelli this is who i mean you know maybe he had something to do with it because he was bigger than life big personality and you know icon in the racing community, not necessarily NASCAR, but in the indie circuit as a team owner and actually was a driver and tried to qualify for the 500. Yep. Uh, I read that book. I was a Mr. 500. I think it's called.
1: Yeah. that. yeah. Yeah. You know, you were talking about the Uno cards too. You know, I never, I never saw those back in the day. It wasn't until, you know, we started seeing them on eBay years later I was able actually to acquire some of them. And of course, you know, you were able to get some. I think I got, you know, I got some from you, but yeah, those, those things were tough too, back in the day uh, in winter circle as well. You just, you just didn't see those. And, you know, it, you know, I'd have to say, thank goodness for eBay.
0: Uh, yeah. eBay uh I'm sure helped many a collector in the day.
1: But, you know the, the there was a lot of scarce cards that that i just never saw i never saw the stp i never saw the uno never saw um the winter circle now i did see the 86 sports star photographic cards you know we you, i would see those at the track um you know you could buy you could buy them like in little plastic bags you know <laughs> you know because that's you know the first wax pack says a black yeah bag. It's crazy how things have how things have changed.
0: Yeah, I think uh, maybe Ray Mann was ahead of his time.
1: Yeah, I think he was.
0: Or, you know, he was doing those placemats, and, he, you know, he's only, think about it, 86. The 88 Max was only, you know, two years away. And, of course, Ray Mann retired, I believe, in 86, so it was right there at the, the tail end. But... You know, maybe his distribution method probably wasn't wasn't the best or whatever. He was, you know, he was more interested in doing the magazine, or that's what he was doing in the placemats.
1: Yeah, speaking of placemats, look look over here. Do you see where I'm pointing? There's That's a Bill Elliott placemats on the wall there. Oh yes. See.
0: okay.
1: Yeah, right there. That, I, yeah, I remember. I bought that new back back in the day. <laughs> it's my first one I bought. I got several now, but. I uh, I used that on my TV tray at home to eat eat supper with for years.
0: <laughs> I think that's what Rayman thought. I thought he he thought that that was his ticket. Where all these guys eating dinner and they had different placemats, and it's fairly really was is a good idea. I don't think it necessarily caught on, but I think the cards and his distribution method, and and he was doing these other things as opposed to Jim McCullough, who did the Max. You know that was the primary that was the main the main thing he did that test run and or you know sold out the whole first printing and was a 10 15 days I think it was they mentioned yeah. in the uh, Max facts so um, but to your point about the 83 unos in the collector's world volume one number six that is the first time. That they had seen them. So, 91, uh, I think it was David Chobat had come into their office and showed him them a set. And they had gone to Uno trying to find more information about it. But it had been many years since that. But, you know, the whole distribution method around the 83 Unos is very interesting or, you know, has been lost. We know who printed it because. Um, it, the name escapes right now but it's i have an uncut sheet uh they're up in the north i want to say sh- nah, around chicago maybe or but anyway so you know we have some of these clues but you know, some of these things are a mystery so but very fun to collect and because like you said ebay they're somewhat accessible so but i found out about it through beckett beckett had a a magazine where i guess it was like a hall of fame thing where or they were talking about some of the earlier stuff the 72 scp's uh 1970 fleer drag strips and the uno in sports are photographic so uh,
1: yeah and- yeah you we, we we probably ought to just do a whole show just on vintage vintage nascar you know pre you know we, we could do a show just on on pre pre-max <laughs>
0: Yeah, and some of the older episodes of the podcast, I try to break it down, talk about the 70 Sports photograph Photographs, 70 Reflect flag- drag strips, and the 70 SCP-83 Uno. We did the 85 and 86, we just, I think we've been talking about the 88 Max for a few episodes, but yeah, you know, some of the information, that's one of the reasons why I try to do the podcast is to preserve some of this information, but Sometimes it's difficult cuz the they don't come up on eBay that much. So no, while, they don't. While we have this boom right now, I think what you're saying is that a lot of them are coming out of the woodwork. So it's great for collectors. It's probably a little higher than you want to pay or what we've seen in the past, but the availability of it. So but what I'm curious is will we ever see a PSA ten and uh, Richard Petty or um, you know Bobby Allison or something like that. I think there is a ten. I don't know if it's a Buddy Baker or if it's an Emo Langley.
1: No, it's Emo. It's Elmo Langley. I have that card.
0: Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Um, yeah, yeah. It looks like there's some eights on.
1: There's one nine PSA. PSA one PSA nine Richard Petty.
0: Yeah. But, you know, I, I'll go out and say that I'm not a big fan of that nine. I think PSA got that wrong because I of the, that. the yellow uh, kind of halo around the side of his head. I, You know, I don't I don't say a knock PSA, but I'm sure the grader didn't notice it. Well, I'm sure he didn't notice it. Otherwise, he wouldn't have graded, but he probably didn't know any better.
1: Yep. Yeah, that, so. that's a sketchy nine in my <laughs> opinion as well.
0: I don't even know if there's an eight. I think there's some sevens. But anyway, so you know, will we see some of these high grade STPs? Because if you look at the pop report, you know, there are fives or lower.
1: Well, I mean makes you wonder if, if some old employee of of STP, you know, has a had a box of them, stuck them up in a closet, and then they pass away and their kids find it.
0: And yeah. You know, you well, I mean, maybe you're talking about like a black black swamp find or something
1: well you know you remember a few years ago all of that vintage um, ba- there was vintage football basketball uh non-sports an open an open box where well, there were open boxes but there was like one or two packs missing from each one all of those came from memphis
0: so you need to be out there looking
1: well here's what happened Okay, you know we used to have Donruss here, and Donruss was started by, you know, Don and Russ Wiener, so hence the Donruss name, right? Makes well, sense. Well, th- from what I understand, and, and I, I'm, I think I've got this right, that the one of the wives of either Don or Russ passed away, and their nephew. When they were going through all the things in the house and in in a closet in a like a Stroh's beer box, they found all these uh, all these boxes with unopened packs in this closet. And they actually took those took that box to our local card shop and our local card shop told them when they looked at it, they said, there's nobody in, in, in this town that can afford this and you need to auction it. And they told they they put him on to I think it was Mile High Auction, okay. <laughs> but that just goes to show that stuff's out there. I mean, all these years I've lived here, who knew? You know, yeah, it, 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 it had that forty eight Bowman baseball in there.
0: I was just thinking, like we had that black swamp find. We haven't really heard anything here in the last I don't say year or two. Have you? You know, nothing pops out at me like. Uh, you know, the people re- renovate their house and then they find, you know, cards in their wall or they find the bundle of, you know, cards that the I guess it was the butcher who had bought that stuff to use as incentives to sell. And, and they had those rare Ty Cobbs and stuff in them that that were graded eight nines and whatever. So uh, I haven't really heard any stories, but I, you know, used to hear stories about that quite a bit with Mr. Mint and stuff like that. But I think, mm-hmm. um, to your point, I guess some of that stuff is—it's um, out there,
1: dude. There's a lot of stuff still out there. You know, here's—you know—I have a theory about that as well. There's there's a lot of people you know that collected that are like my father's age, and unfortunately, those people are going to pass and these kids are not going to care about this stuff. And the kids are probably didn't even know that their parents had it and they're going to look at it. And of course, you know, most everybody knows now that trading cards are hot. So they're going to, you know, they could have something, they may not have something, but you know, you're going to start seeing, I think you're going to start seeing a lot more of these fines, so to speak. Uh, You know, you, you you were talking about fines. You remember the, the, that uncle Jimmy find that they had with all those 33 signed Gowdy cards. Remember,
0: oh, yeah, plus yeah, well, he had a whole lot of
1: other stuff, but that was the big thing in it. The well, big I guess,
0: move. well, I guess to your point, though, you know, with NASCAR being hot in the late 80s, early 90s, you know, folks, um, that now either are handing these things down to the kids, and you know, so maybe some of this other stuff will come to market some more of these 83 Unos and 72 STPs or. Even some of the you know other stuff we don't even know about,
1: yeah, that's true,
0: maybe more indie stuff comes out. I don't know, I know there were earlier sets. so
1: yeah, there's a lot yeah we could we if we want to even go down that indie route, there's a lot to talk about there as well, but that, we we could do that for another show sometime whenever you want,
0: yeah, I have a little bit of knowledge about some of that, but not a lot, but i I'm sure i I'd, I'd be- inter- I'd be very interested, I'm sure our listeners would be interested as well I have to get um. The want to thank Ken on here, too, as well, and talk about talk about
1: that. I think that's all I got, man. You got anything else?
0: I do not. I do appreciate you filling in for the amazing Jason, who is out today. But thank well, you, Logan.
1: I, I would be glad to help out or be a guest any other time you want, man. Just let me know.
0: Well, I appreciate it, and look to see you uh, next week. Yeah,
1: man. just a little Person. over a week.
0: Yep. At the Dallas show. So uh, we'll be recording or not recording, we'll be broadcasting Hobby Hotline live that Saturday from 11 to 12 Eastern Time with the rest of the Hobby Hotline crew. So
1: yeah, that'll be cool. I can't wait to come down there and see everybody.
0: Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I've never been to the Dallas show, so I'm looking forward. And I will report back to everybody the following week, see what if there's any good NASCAR finds down there
1: yep val and i'll both be looking so
0: <laughs> yeah it does if make
1: there, if there's anything to be found we'll find it
0: yeah i was gonna say it makes card shows pretty easy so going from table to table asking, it does
1: you have anything uh, nascar no <laughs> yeah.
0: so you just you know you can't hurt your feelings that they don't have anything so
1: or, or the other response is do you have any nascar uh, yeah i got some indie some indie car cards or now it'll be formula one <laughs> yeah yeah i got so, some formula yeah. one
0: yeah, that that is the other one, and then you go, oh yeah, let me see what you got, and then you know they pull out. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, but anything else, Logan?
1: No, man, that's all I got. Uh, like I said, looking forward to the Dallas show. We got we got Chronicles coming up here. At, what next month?
0: In June, yes.
1: So can't wait for Chronicles. That that was my favorite uh, release last year. I really have enjoyed that. Uh, so I'm looking forward to see what they got this year.
0: All right, you can follow Logan. Uh, on Twitter at King NASCAR and you can follow me at NASCAR radio on Twitter. So, but for me, Logan, thanks for listening and share and like the podcast, share with the NASCAR trading card hobby with your friends and we will talk to you next week. See you.
1: Bye.